there should be a science of discontent. People need hard times and oppression to develop psychic muscles. From Collected Sayings of Muhadib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Right after I finish this tweet. I'm tweeting now, people. <laughs> he's on He's on the Twitter. I'm on the Twitter, Twitterverse, Saphir. Yeah, you can follow Evan at uh, uh, at I am Evan Diaz on on Twitter, um, or uh, at Reading Dune. Yeah, yeah at Twitter, yeah. or you can, you can also email us at a uh, readingdune at gmail dot com if um, social media isn't your thing. I totally understand if it's not your thing. That's fine. That's fine. All right, chapter nineteen. <laughs> Uh, first and foremost, I just want to say that today we're, we are filming this recording this on, uh, Thursday, October 8th, 2020. Um, today is Frank Herbert's would be his 100th birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Frank. I hope that your spirit likes what we're doing with your work. (laughs) I really hope so. Me too. You think he's aware? That's a whole other podcast. Let's yeah, it's a whole. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have time for that one, Evan. That's a whole other thing. Um, but we just want to shout out to the maker himself, Frank Herbert. Thank you so much. He, I, I was I was listening to an interview. Complete side tangent. Um, where because Frank Herbert's known as like kind of the godfather of science fiction, right? The Dune is the Lord of the Rings of science fiction, right? Because science fiction was this genre that was written in like, well, comic magazines or just little stuff that would happen. And he kind of took it to the main stage writing this this epic. Right. And uh, he actually, he was like, I don't care. People argue that it's, both, that it's not really science fiction, right? There's not a lot of science involved in it. Whatever. He goes, but I don't care. Sure, it's more like philosophical fiction. But as long as you can find it on the bookshelf, I don't care what you call it. Nice. That's cool. I mean, that's called a real writer who needs some money. Yeah. As long I mean, as you can find it. Dude, there's planets and spaceships. That's good enough for me. I, I call that science fiction. And it's deep in the future. Yeah, we'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all, right. all right. Chapter 19. What did you think of this quote? Evan, you want to read it again for us? Because it's kind of short. My goodness, is there some good juice in this quote? Guys, look at what I, for you uh, watching on YouTube, I have, you can see I have like super underlined and outlined and I, this quote messed me up because it's so good. Okay, I'm going to read it. Um, There should be a science of discontent. People need hard times and oppression to develop psychic muscles. If that Bam. ain't true, I don't know what is, Caleb. Yeah, there's something about, I don't know about this quote representing in this chapter, but it's definitely a, the, the whole book is going to take on a, this extra feel of what's going to happen to us. Mm. We're going to need this, this discontent. <laughs> This oppression that comes not just from other people, but from the environment itself. Right. Um, and that's going to develop. I mean, Paul is already the most trained, the most. He's been trained by Gurney in fighting. He's been trained by Howitt as a mentat. He's been trained by his mom in the Bene Gesserit ways. Right. He's been trained. Now we're, we're going to put that training to the test. Right. And you see what happens. You can train all you want. Doesn't mean you're going to be ready. Yeah. So in this chapter, we kind of see, we see Paul's fighting skills for the first time. um, Minus his, you know, combat time with Gurney. And it's funny to see that when it happens, but let's pick up um, what happened last chapter. You want to go just quick recap, Evan, what happened last chapter? Um, I don't know. Something about a tooth. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Yui finally did it. 
he uh, sneaky caught the Duke Leto and paralyzed him with some kind of paralyzing juice. And he just did the classic evil guy monologue thing and explained everything that was going on. Basically, like, the Duke is done, man. But he... Uh, he gave him a little sneaky James Bond poison tooth thing to kill the Baron because he's the only one that's going to be able to get close enough. And as he was passing out, Yui just kept saying, remember the tooth, the tooth, the tooth, the tooth. And as he's falling into this drugged state, uh, but the, he says, okay, you do the tooth for me, Duke, and I'll save Jessica and Paul. Right. And we're like, all right, okay, cool. So Yui drops the shields, Harkonnen ships drop in, the guild like drops in these ships, and our scene opens this chapter with Jessica. And here her eyes are open, and she's beginning to awaken from being drugged. She realized she's been drugged. Like, holy cow, what happened? And she's starting to feel her body. Right. I like that she had like a split second of waking up and going like, wait, what's happening? You know, like you picture you picture people waking up tied up in other movies. They're like, <laughs> right. And they like panic and try to like get out. But she just like wakes up and like moves a little bit and realizes everything that's going on. Because she's a badass, B'nai Jesuit, you know, like. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah, she feels the fear like rippling down, like through her nerves, but like calms it, does the B'nai Jesuit ways. She feels her body. She's aware of her bindings on her wrists and her ankles. And then she notices she has a gag in her mouth. And then she tests the bindings, right, to see what it is. But it's this. Uh, crim scale fiber that only gets tighter as you pull it. So like if you've been zip tied, it's kind of like that feeling. Right. N not saying I've been zip tied any time recently, but you know, <laughs> we're all teenagers once. Especially not by magical tightening zip ties. Sounds right. Like Harry Potter stuff going on. And then she remembers what happened. <laughs> There's been a, there had been a movement in the darkness of her bedroom. Something wet and pungent slapped against her face, filling her mouth and hands grasping for her. Yeah, she I didn't had, like reading that. That was, a, that was a disturbing set of words. There's there's a few parts in this chapter that make make me go just like, oh, like I don't, I don't like what's happening at this moment. <laughs> that that was one that was one of them. Yucky. Ugh. She gasped one indrawn breath, sensing the, the narcotic and the wetness. Consciousness had receded, sinking her into a black bin of terror. She thinks she's now back on the floor being tied up. It has come, she thought. How simple to subdue the Bene Gesserit. All it took was treachery. How it was right. And she realizes that Wait, this isn't her bedroom. They've taken her someplace else. So she does like the calming exercises, like hold up. And then her first thought goes to Paul. Where's Paul? What have they done to Paul? Like, I think she's already realized like, all right, I have been, the treachery has happened. Harkonnens are here. Where's Paul? First thought goes to Paul. Calmness. She forced herself to it, using the ancient routines. But the terror remained so near. Next thought, Leto. Where is Leto? And then she realizes that she's on the floor, right? This is, there's, there's a, a line under the door. She sees people walking. She senses it. And then she remembers that she must remain calm, alert, and prepared because if she wants to escape... She may only get one chance. The ungainly thumping of her heartbeats evened, shaping out time. I don't know how she does this, but she counts back. She's been unconscious about an hour. That, I didn't understand that. And I don't think we're really meant to. I think that's just some B'nai Gesserit magic. Yes. Yes. There's a reason they are called witches. 
stuff like that. I don't know. I mean, if they <laughs> they can do a lot of things, and that right. I guess that's one of them. You know, right. That that, in, that internal clock, that biological clock, they know what's up. Right. And if anyone watching has some kind of explanation, I would love to hear it. It's real. I'll take it. Or listening, email us reading Dune Gmail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dot com. We love it. All right. <laughs> and then she says, "Then my people about to come through the door." And she goes, "I must pretend I'm still unconscious." She relaxes on the cold floor. You, you ever like try to fake being asleep, and you're like, once you're awake, and you're like, "Oh yeah," and you like kind of go dead a little bit. <laughs> it's that same like, "Oh, I gotta pretend I'm asleep." You open Test one it. eye up real quick. Huh? Am I there? <laughs> Testing her body's readiness, she heard the door open, sensed an increased light through her eyelids. Feet approached, someone standing over her. You're awake, rumbled a basso voice. Do not pretend. She opened her eyes. Now, I, I imagine she's like, she's got her, she's laying down on the floor. Like the, the door opens, the light comes in, and there's just this silhouette of the Baron Harkonnen, who probably takes up most of the door space. Right. It's the big round silhouette. I can't imagine that's a really great vantage point to look at his fat rolls. <laughs> I mean, the, the back lid alone, like the first time we see the Baron, right? He's like in the shadow and you see just his hand come out. You know, the second time we see him kind of again, he's, he, he's here backlit, like this ominous figure. Right. Also, I just want to say like, I'm not into like fat shaming anyone but the Baron Harkonnen. Like this guy sucks. <laughs> All right. That's that's what we're going to do with him. I hope this doesn't get a, 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 a <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I agree with Evan on that one. Only the Baron gets it because he yeah. deserves it. Everyone else is beautiful and lovely. <laughs> the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen stood over her. Around them, she recognized the cellar room where Paul had slept. Saw his cot at one side, empty. Suspenser lamps were brought in by guards distributed near the open door. There was a glare of light in the hallway beyond that hurt her eyes. She looked up at the Baron. Now let's note, let's note here, what is the Baron wearing? He wore a yellow cape that bulged over his portable suspenders. The fat cheeks were two, oh man, cherubic mounds beneath black spider eyes. Ugh. So the ch cherubic would be those little, those little angels, you see, yeah. little baby angels you see. Yeah. And who are also just as creepy looking. Like little cupids. Ew. The drug was timed, he rumbled. We knew to the minute you'd be coming out of it. How could that be, she wondered. They'd have to know my exact weight, my metabolism, my... Yui! Yui. And that's when she gets it. She realizes Yui was the traitor the whole time. Ah, uh, too little, too late, Jessica. I, I mean, Paul knew right away in the weirding room... That was Yui, made logical sense, but, you know, it's okay. And the Baron says, such a pity you must remain gagged. We could have such an interesting conversation. Gross. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the Baron likes to, like, do his evil monologue to people. But why, Jessica? I mean, I'm sure he would just have fun with it, just to taunt her. Yeah. But... He's been given a clue about why she must be gagged. So the Baron glances behind him at the door. Come in, Pyter. She had never seen before, or she had never before seen the man who entered to stand beside the Baron. But the face was known, and the man, Pyter de Vries, the Mentat assassin. She studied him, hawk features, blue ink eyes that suggested he was a native of Arrakis. But subtleties of movement and stance told her he was not. And his flesh was too well firmed with water. He was tall, though slender, and something about him suggested effeminacy. Such a pity we cannot have our conversation, my dear Lady Jessica, the Baron said. However, I'm aware of your abilities. He glanced at the Mentat. Isn't that true, Piter? As you say, Baron, the man said. His voice was tenor. It touched her spine with a wash of coldness. He had never, she had never heard such a chill voice. To one with the Bene Gesserit training, his voice screamed, Kill her. 
<laughs> Killer. No, okay. So Piter's plan, just another tangent here. Piter's plan of everything went wrong. He was trying to get a hold of a Chris knife so he could like get into one of the CHs and get in with the Fremen and take them there. I don't think the Fremen would have let him live. Right, because he sucks. He's so clearly, obviously, on the outside, sucks. I mean, yes, he's got the blue within blue eyes, but walk doesn't walk like a Fremen. Isn't 70% body or water fat. You know what I mean? Right. That doesn't have 70% water. He, they, th- that plan would not have worked, and I'm really glad he didn't do it because he would have died way too early. Hmm. Um. But I wouldn't mind him dying right now, TBH. <laughs> he is he's kind of the worst. And he yeah, I can't I can't do spoilers. We'll just keep going. All right, let's go. <laughs> um, I do want to say that Piter is probably the one that said they needed to gag her because of sense. the voice. Yeah. And how it didn't know about the voice. So how did Piter know about the voice? I don't think a lot of people know about the voice. They just know that Beneva Deserts are witches and have powers. Right. Um, but I do find that interesting. Yeah. I also noticed that they capitalized the V when they mention the voice. The voice. They do capitalize it. Like when they're talking about the Bene Gesserit, the voice. What do you think that means? I don't know. It's, it's, is it a character? May, yeah, maybe it's like it's so specific that it's a proper noun, you know, Ooh. like, the, or, or maybe it's like a, you know, how you in within like Christianity, you capitalize God and Jesus and him and, you know, like everything that's attributed to God. the divine. Right. It's so, it's such a unique gift that it deserves that kind of reverence. I don't know. I mean, I can see that. A lot of guys, yeah, that would be their most dangerous power. And I mean, we've seen the voice work once before, right, with uh, Jessica telling Howard to sit down. We're about to see it again. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah. All right. So, Piter, we know from chapter two that he wants the Lady Jessica. Why does he want the Lady Jessica? I don't know. Yeah, I didn't get it either. Um, there's some speculation out there that says that Piter knows about the voice because, and Piter is a um, a twisted mentat whose main specialty is like torture to get information, and so there's a possibility that maybe wanna. You try to use the voice to get him to stop or do something, and he like learned that they have this power, and was like, "Wait, what's this?" Before, and so I think he maybe just wants to investigate a little further because his last subject died on him. Like, uh, oh man, what's the movie? Oh yeah, The Princess Bride, right? Where you have the the pain machine, and they keep trying it out on people, but people keep dying, so they need somebody else. Please tell me you know that reference as he stares down in shame. Man, all our fans are going to hate me now. <laughs> I can't even make references to stuff that I do know. I know a lot of stuff. I know. They're just, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bad enough. I haven't read Dune, okay? You are now, though. That's the important part. And everybody listening, you may not know before, but you're knowing now. And that's the important part. Yeah, don't judge me. I'll go watch The Princess Bride after this, okay? Jeez. Inconceivable. You don't even know what that means. We'll keep moving forward. All right. So the Baron um, is playing with Piter, right? So he brings Piter in, and he says, he thinks he's come to collect his reward. You, Lady Jessica. But I wish to demonstrate a thing. He really doesn't want you. And Piter, you play with me, Baron? He smiles. Seeing that smile, Jessica wondered at the Baron, why the Baron did not leap up to defend himself from Piter. Then she corrected herself. The Baron could not read that smile. He did not have the training. Because he's a big, fat dummy. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, it's the, she can read it because, and the last time Piter and the Baron had a conversation that we were in on, there was not a Bene Gesserit in the room. Right. That we got to read her thoughts. So this is nice that like, and we kind of saw that in the last chapter too. They were, they were bickering back and forth, like at each other's throats. Right. Uh, that's, that's a constant thing that doesn't go away. Right. It's like really bad flirting. You're just <laughs> constantly trying to kill each other. This is like really negative flirting. <laughs> Death flirting. <laughs> In many ways, Piter is quite naive, the Baron said. He just doesn't admit what a deadly creature you are, Lady Jessica. I'd show him, but it would be a foolish risk. Right? He's like, yeah, I could ungag you and kill him, but that would not be pretty. I have other things to do right now. Right. I got to go gloat over Lido. That's way more important than that. And he says, I know what Piter really wants. Piter wants power. You promised I could have her, Piter said. The tenor of his voice had lost some of its cold reserve. Jessica heard clue tones in the man's voice, allowed herself an inner shudder. How could the Baron have made such an animal out of a mentat? I give you a choice, Piter, said the Baron. What choice? The Baron snapped his fat fingers. Ah, this woman, gross. <laughs> this this woman, an exile from the Imperium or the Duchy of Atreides on Arrakis to rule as you see fit in my name. As what? The Duchy. The Duchy. The Duke. What? How would you say that word? Duchy. The Dookie of Atreides. Uh, listen, I was saying Dookie in my brain, but then I just realized that I was saying Dookie. Like, Dookie. And, that, and that's why it's important to read things out loud, folks, because sometimes your brain just doesn't put it together. Duchy. Duchy. The Duchy. How are you doing? He says Duchy. Thank you so right. much. You could be the person on the top of Arrakis. You could rule it. Right? So, Piter has two options. You could be the Duke in name only, or you could have Lady Jessica and leave the Imperium. Which, do you really think the Baron would let him leave the Imperium? Right, probably not. No. With all the information he knows, it would be a quick, you know, kill you, kill Jessica, move on. But Jessica hears this and thinks, is my Lado dead then? She felt a silent wail begin somewhere in her mind. The Baron kept his attention on the Mentat. Understand yourself, Piter. You want her because she's the Duke's woman, a symbol of power. Be beautiful, useful, exquisitely trained for her role. But an entire... I can't see, Evan, I was going to... Duchy. Duchy. All I see was Duchy in that, and I, that wasn't right either. <laughs> I, I I had it in my brain and you've ruined it. Duchy. The Duchy. All right. Right. Then Spider says, are you joking with me? The Baron turned with a dancing lightness. His suspensors gave him joke. I ha, remember I am giving up the boy. You heard what the traitor said about the lad's training. They are alike. His mother and son deadly. The Baron smiled. I must go now. I'll send in the guard I've reserved for this moment. He's stone deaf. His orders will be to convey you on the first leg of your journey into exile. Then again, if you uh, open up the gag, he'll, let, he'll kill both of you, so it's okay. <laughs> right, here you go. And I love the Baron's just taunting him. Joke, me, ha, yes, whatever. Like, that's just gross. Like, yeah. He's just toying with him and with this with power and manipulation and ugh. and he says, I'm giving up the boy, which in the last chapter, he brought in a boy that kind of looked like Paul and then drugged him. And we're not going to go into probably what he did because it was not pleasant in any sort of the way. So it's like ugh. the Baron would even think that I like that way. Um, so the Baron turns to leave and Piter says, no, I've made my decision. I'll take the duchy. And Jessica thought, I said it right this time. I know I deserve like a round of applause. Man, super good. Man, thank you. I really, I'm patting myself on the back. <sighs> Jessica thought, doesn't Piter know the Baron's lying to him? 
But how could he know? He's a twisted mentat. So Jessica knows that the Baron won't actually give Piter the duchy, that he's just using him again. Right. Which is like, man. Well, at least Piter gets to be the Duke for a little bit, but, uh, but the Baron has other plans. Then he's going to have to pass the duchy upon the left-hand side, you know? Yes. You get that reference? No, no, no I missed that. No. Man, hope there's some some stoner out there that caught that reference. Oh, <laughs> yeah, probably. Somebody's in their car right now, just smoking a fat one, and just laughing really hard at you. Right now, it's really funny. I hope you're not driving, wherever you are. Please pull over if you are and be safe. All yeah, right. Take care of yourself, dude. Come on. <laughs> take care of yourself. Isn't it wonderful? I know Piter so well. I wagered with my master at arms that it would be Piter's chalice. Ha! I will leave now. Like just, you just had to like brag on himself. Like, of course I'm right. I'm always right. I'm the best at being right. Of course I'm always right. Like, no one is better at being right than me. <laughs> no one. Nobody. This is very <laughs> look, reminiscent. Look how big my hands are. Like, <laughs> come on. Also, it seems like he's like running out of stuff to say towards the the end here as like as the Baron is like, you know, getting ready to go. He keeps saying like, I'm going to go now. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> OK. Fighter, well, you, uh, you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You have fun there. Well, yes. OK. Yes. All right. <laughs> he's like, trying to. Yeah. He's, he's just glowing. Menacing as he goes on right here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it's probably on purpose. But I, you're you're going to find out more. We're just going to keep going. I can't. Okay. I just want to keep talking, but I can't. Okay. Okay. Um, then the Baron talks down to Jessica, who's still laying on the floor. You understand, Lady Jessica, I have no rancor with you, towards you, which I had to look that up. That means um, to be bitter or resentfulness, especially like yeah. long-standing. Rancor. You knew what that meant? Yeah. Well, okay. So I grew up, I, my family's from Brazil. So I have, um, I speak Portuguese and that word is a, is a fairly common word in, in Portuguese. It means just like ill will. Yeah. So it makes sense to me, but good job, Evan. Thanks, man. Give, give yourself a pat on the back. ESL class did me good. Um. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> all right it's a necessity much better this way yes and i've not actually ordered you destroyed when it's asked what's happened to me i shall shrug it off in all truth so i think that's probably why he's trying to leave he doesn't want to be there right the for... less the better yes yeah. because when the emperor comes in with reverend guys helen Mahamam, as you know, who can detect truth, he can be like, I legit don't know. Is she dead? Probably. I don't know anything about how she died. So, I mean, yeah, that's probably a smart, a smart thing to do. Piter asked, you'll leave it to me then? The guard I send to you will take your orders, the Baron said. Whatever's done, I leave to you. He stared at Piter. Yes, there will be no blood. On my hands. It's your decision. Yes, I know nothing of it. He's definitely like confirming to himself. By the way, I have no, I did nothing wrong. Yeah. I am perfectly okay. Like mm -hmm. he's, can he put, put himself in there? Ah, yes, yes, everything is good. I think he's kind of like you, Caleb, where you're like talking and you know you shouldn't say anything else. And so you're just like, I, you, what, I, the thing is, we're just going to move on. We're going <laughs> to. He's like, I know I shouldn't say anything else, so I'm going to stop. Yes. Yes. Well, good. Yes. I'm speechless. I'm I mean, a little offended, but I'll take it. I'm not saying you're the Baron, Baron Harkonnen. I'm just saying it's a similar situation. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Good, good. <laughs> Jessica then thinks he fears the questioning of a truthsayer. Who? Ah, the Reverend Mother Gaius Helen, of course. If he knows he must face her questioning, then the Emperor is in on this for sure. Ah, my poor Leto. So that's where she gets the clue. 
if she has to face the truth sayer, it's going to be the emperors. And it, that means the emperor is somewhat involved, meaning there was no way that Leto could have gotten out. Nothing for the father. Nothing for the father. And with that, the Baron turns and goes out the door. Then we have two troopers enter, two Harkonnen troopers, and another man who has a scarred face followed. He stood in the doorway with a drawn ways gun. And that's our deaf one, Scarface. Right. And uh, this is where she thinks that the Baron knows like, that she could use the voice on any other man, but not this one. Which I don't know why she thinks that. Maybe they've never, no one, maybe no one's ever tried to use the voice on someone who's deaf. Or is it just like so mysterious that, you know, anyone who's not B'nai Jezreel doesn't really get how it works. So they're like, well, she can't talk to a deaf guy. So uh, send him over, send him over a deaf guy. You know, like, yeah. I mean, I'm not B'nai Jezreel. I don't know how it works. Um, I mean, I, if I were the Baron and you would think like, oh, yeah, okay, so if someone hears it, they obey what they said, so we'll just get somebody who can't hear. It makes, I mean, it makes right. logical sense. I just, okay. <laughs> remember like, what if you heard that? The Baron was like, oh, yes, you can use the voice. We must find a deaf trooper. Put out a search for me. Get that deaf trooper. He's getting a promotion just for this moment. Wow. Simple minds. I mean, yeah. Scarface looked at Piter. We have uh, we have the boy on the litter outside. What are your orders? So now we know where Paul is. We were in Paul's room, but Paul wasn't there. Probably because Paul had just been taken outside just so they can have that one-on-one convo with Lady Jessica. Yeah. I guess. She probably would have been distracted if he was in there. Right, right. Um, she would ask a bunch of questions about him, but she didn't really talk that much. She's probably still drugged a little bit. Piter spoke to Jessica. I thought of binding you by the threat held over your son, but I would, but I began to see that would have not worked. I let emotion cloud reason, bad policy for a mentat. Which we, it's just funny how he's like reciting his job. She's, she's not talking. She's gagged. Right. Like he's just like, Doing the monologue thing. <laughs> I'm so smart. This is my plan. <laughs> and then he turns to the Scarface, our deaf trooper. So, because evidently the deaf trooper can read lips. How convenient. Take them into the desert as the traitor suggested for the boy. His plan is a good one. The worms will destroy all evidence. Their bodies will never be found. You don't wish to, you don't wish to dispatch them yourself? Scarface asked. He'd read his lips, Jessica thought. I'll follow my Baron's example, Fighter said. Take them to where the traitor said. Jessica thinks he too fears the truth sayer. You make Fighter sound like a leprechaun. I, I mean, he's kind of, that's what I, sure. I follow the. <laughs> I think that's how the audio I think that's how the audio book does. That's why I just like naturally just lean into that a little uh, bit. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> Um, yeah uh, so it's funny how Yui being the traitor has kind of set them up like oh yeah by the way take them out to the desert oh yeah use this lobster wink 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 for sure um, and it's like <laughs> have you ever done this to a person where you like set everything up and then you like suggest they do one thing which means they'll have to do everything else like Say if you want to take out, have somebody take out the trash, you like put it all in a big pile by the door to make it easy for them. Right. Like you, like you, he's like, here, I've done all these things. All you have to do is like, you follow the yellow brick road right. and then look how easy all the stuff is. Which I think is, uh, is smart of Yui because that's what he said he would do. He'd get Paula and Jessica out. We'll see if that still works. <laughs> So then they're like, um, let's see. Do, 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 do. So then another, so then Piter shrugs, turns, and goes to the doorway. He hesitates there, and Jessica thought he might turn back for a last look, but he went without turning. So then Scarface and somebody else comes in, our unnamed troopers who will talk for probably the rest of the chapter. 
Um, so we'll just call them Scarface and Trooper Numero One. So, so then Scarface goes, me, I wouldn't like the thought of facing the truth sayer after this night's work. And then the other one says, you ain't likely ever to run into that old witch. <laughs> right. Like, you're not that important. You're not going to do that. It's fine. And then we ain't going to get our work done standing over here chattering. Take her feet. Right. And so like, why don't we kill him here? And it's like, ah, too messy. I don't want to clean it up. <laughs> the the, the traitor's plan is a good one. It's a straightforward drop. Drop him in the desert. Cut him once or twice. Leave the evidence for the worms. Nothing to clean up. Yeah, well, I guess you're right. Jessica listened to them, watching, registering, but the gag blocked her voice. And there was the deaf one to consider. So she gets picked up and put on the litter next to Paul. Wait, what? what's a litter? I have I had no way of envisioning what this thing was that they were getting put on. Um, In my mind, it's just like like a rolling table, but it's not rolling since it's science fiction. It's more like a little hovering, like, like a workbench or. Okay. Like a, like a floating, like a, like, like a cart thing. of some sort. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's kind of what I was seeing too, but yeah, it's, it's a suspensor boy buoyed litter. That's what they call it. Okay. Um, so yeah, they pick her up and they put her on there. As they turn her, fitting her to the litter, she saw her companion's face, Paul. He was bound but not gagged. His face was no more than 10 centimeters from hers, eyes closed, and he was breathing evenly. And then we realize, is Paul asleep? Is he drugged? He was drugged. He's not asleep at all. He was looking through the smallest fractions of dark slits and staring at her. She thinks he mustn't try the voice, meaning that Paul has been trained in the voice. Right. Whoa. Somewhat. At least, yeah. They've been working on the vocal cords, doing their voice training. Paul's eyes are closed. He's been practicing the awareness breathing, calming his mind, listening to their captors. The deaf one posed a problem, but Paul contained his despair. The mind-calming Bene Gesserit regimen his mother had taught him kept him poised, ready to expand any opportunity. And then he opens his eyes slowly, sees her. Okay, yeah, she's good still. He wondered who could have captured her. His own captivity was plain enough. To bed with a capsule prescribed by Yui, awaking to find himself bound to this litter. Perhaps similar thing had befallen her. Logic said the traitor was Yui, but he held his final decision in the a- ambience. There was no understanding it. A souk doctor? A traitor? So, I mean, Yui just gave him a sleeping pill. Here, buddy, take this. While Jessica was probably getting ready for bed, somebody had to rush in and, and like, take her head and gag her and then do all that stuff. It's a little bit more violent. Just a bit. Um, Used a bit. So now they're, they're walking him through the, the castle. And uh, we just get Jessica and Paul's perspective. And then you hear them like the crunch, crunch of sand, right? They're taking him out to the hangar bay. And they, they see the stars. Um, and then they, they see a, a thopter wing silhouetted under the stars. And they know they're going under the thopter. This is the thopter we're supposed to use. One of the troopers asks and turned to watch his companion's lips. Is the one the traitor said was fixed for desert work, the other said. Scarface nodded, but it's one of them little liaison jobs. Ain't no room in there for more than two of us. Two's enough. Right, so there was three guys with him. The guy's like, ah, you guys take this. I don't need to be here. Right. Um, and then... The Baron told me to make sure what happened to them two. What are you so worried about? Asked another trooper. She's a Bene Gesserit witch, the deaf one said. They have powers. Ah, one of them. I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah, sure, man. Um, The trooper behind him grunted. 
She'll be worm meat soon enough. Don't suppose even a Bene Gesserit witch has powers over one of them big worms, huh? He nudged the little the little guy next to him. Uh-huh, yep, that's it. <laughs> They're just being tip, typical, typical troopers at this point. Right. So they load them up, put them in the uh, thopter. They both get in the other side. And they um, they tighten them up. They put like seatbelts on them. And then they like get in the thopter and then they take off and they go over south over the shield wall. That's where they're headed. You sure you know the way to go? Scarface asked. And the other guy said, I listen to the traitor, same as you. So they're all listening to you, following Yui's direction. And this is where Jessica, like, she starts to feel for the her bindings, right? The seatbelt. She realizes that it's been manipulated. It's been tampered with. That somebody has prepared this thopter for them. That in a sudden movement, she could break it. But who? So she moves her, she, like, gets untangled from, t- from Paul. And then we have this dialogue between our two troopers, Harkonnen troopers here, Scarface and the other dude. Right. Scarface gets real thirsty right now. That's weird. <laughs> it's, it, it, it does get really weird. Um, it does show the, I guess, the, the frafaluches, right? The, the hierarchy, this, this mentality of that they're, he just, yeah, that's gross. Um, <laughs> sure does seem a shame to waste a good looking woman. You have any of those highborn types? Bene Gesserit aren't all highborn. They all look Heidi. You thinking what I think you're thinking? The pilot asked. Who'd be to know? The guard said. Afterwards, he shrugged. I just never had me no highborns. Might never get a chance like this again. And can you imagine Paul just hearing all of this like, Oh hell no! Like he's and this is where he speaks up, right? And he he doesn't do it quite right, but he says, "You lay a hand on my mother." Paul graded, you know, the fifteen-year-old way, like back off, dude. If you yeah. do it, I'll end you. Or at he least that's what he's trying to give off. You know, it's like if you lay a hand, but he's doing everything very like on purpose. Yes. Like yeah. he's using, he's trying to get the voice just right. Right. The pilot laughs. Cubs got a bark. It got no bite though. Jessica thought Paul's pitching his voice too high. It may work though. <laughs> and it, it does. Like they like, he like backs up. They don't do anything for a little bit. Right. It like, it registered a little bit, but didn't have the full effect. Right. Because they flew on in silence, right? That kind of comes down. And Jessica thinks, like, ah, these guys are dead anyway. Like, as soon as the Baron finds out that he's going to kill him, he wants no witnesses. He, does, he doesn't want to know what happens. Um, the Thopter banks over the southern rim of the shield wall, and Jessica sees the moon-wide, moon-shadowed expanse of the sand beneath them. And the last time we went over the shield wall, we saw a worm. So I don't know how close the worms are getting to the shield wall, but they're assuming if you just drop them on the other side, a worm will come and get them. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they flew out a good way with that in that whole incident with the with the spice factory or whatever it's called. Right. Yeah, they, they flew it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, with in yeah, with a spice factory. But here I feel like they just like go over the top right. and go down. And these guys are dummies. They they don't seem like they actually know what's what's going on. Ah, uh, yeah, no, they're 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 Harkonnens. We don't really know what's happening. That ought to be far enough. The pilot said. The trader said, "Put him down on the sand anywhere near the shield the shield wall." He dipped the craft towards the dune in a long, falling stoop, brought up stiffly over the desert surface. Jessica saw Paul beginning taking his rhythmic breaths of calming exercise. He closed his eyes, opened them. Jessica stared, helpless to aid him. He hasn't mastered the voice yet, she thought. And if he fails, the thopter touches sand with a soft lurch. And Jessica, looking north back towards the shield wall, saw a shadow of wings settle out of sight there. 
So she sees another thopter. She's like, well, of course, they're watching to make sure something happens. Everyone's being watched. They shut down the thopter, the wing rudder, the ring rotors stop. Silence flooded in upon them. Jessica turned her head. She could not see out the window beyond Scarface's dim glow of light from a rising moon. Sandblast bridges streaked at sides of the desert. Paul clears his throat. <clears throat> Getting ready. Here we go. My time to shine. <laughs> and with a pilot, looks over to Scarface is like, hey, uh, so I couldn't do it before. Can I do it now? Can I uh, have the woman? Ah, look. All right, he reaches out for Jessica's skirt. And then Paul commands, remove her gag. Jessica felt the words rolling in the air, the tone, the timber, excellent, imperative, very sharp. A slightly lower pitch would have been better, but it still could fall within the man's spectrum. <laughs> She's like immediately giving him feedback on his, <laughs> on his uh, technique. Ah, uh, just three more classes. We would have been fine, Paul, but no, this is, this is okay for now. C plus. All right, let's see if it works. And the trooper shifts his hand up. Wait, no, wait, where am I? I'm too far. Uh, yep. Paul, oh, yeah, Paul says remove her gag. The guy then takes his hand up the band around Jessica's mouth, slips the knot on the gag. Stop that. The other guy orders. Ah, shut your trap. Her hands are tied. He freed right. the knot, and the binding dropped. His eyes glittered as he, as he studied Jessica. Right. The thing is, like, with the, the, the way that the, the voice works, or at least what I'm seeing, is, like, he thought it was his idea. Yeah. He's like, oh. stop. It's fine. I know what I'm doing. But he, like, was just commanded to do that, you know? Like when we saw with Howitt, it was like, sit down, like, like you're not done yet. He like, his body just does it without right. thinking. And we're about to see the voice work and it is incredible. Yeah. Jessica twisted her neck, spat out the gag. She pitched her voice in a low, intimate tones. Gentlemen, no need to fight over me. At the same time, she writhed sinuously for the trooper's benefit. She saw them grow tense, knowing that in this instant they were convinced of the need to fight over her. Their, their disagreement required no other reason. In their minds, they were fighting over her. Now it's noticed that both of them are fighting over her. The deaf one and the other one are both thinking this now. Doesn't matter if he's deaf. Oh, if the Baron found out that, it, that would suck. Yeah. So it just proves that, like, Piter doesn't know exactly how the voice works. He just has some inkling of it. He's like, oh, yeah, you should be fine with this. But right. they were not. She held her face high in the instrument glow to be sure that Scarface could read her lips and said, you mustn't disagree. They drew farther apart and glanced warily at each other. Is any woman worth fighting over? She asked. By uttering the words, by being there, she made herself infinitely worth their fighting. It's like, yeah, it's, uh, what, what, what is she doing here? She's almost saying the opposite of what she wants. I'm right. putting the idea in their head. Like, oh, you should never fight over me. That would be a really bad thing. Oh, now I want to do it. Right. Now I really want to do it. Paul clamped his lips tightly closed. Like, I'm not saying anything right now. I may disturb something if I anything happens. Right. He forced himself to be silent. Part. Yeah, I, I did my part. I said I used the voice and it worked. So I'm not going to risk it again. <laughs> I'm not going to try this again. Yeah, but mom's got this one. She knows what's happening. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let her be. She's way more experienced than I'm at, I am at this. Yeah, Scarface said, no need to fight over. His hand flashed towards the pilot's neck. The blow was met by a splash of metal that caught the arm in the same motion, slammed into Kenneth's chest. 
Scarface groaned, sagged backwards against the door. Kanet was the other trooper. So I think uh, the other trooper just killed Scarface. Scarface. Yeah. Kanet was Scarface. Yeah. No, uh, the other guy was Kanet. No, no, wait. No, No, you're right. No, you're right. Kanet is Scarface. Or whatever is the other guy. Yes. I don't know why Frank decided to give these troopers names. It's like in Star Trek where they're they're the people that are going to die. They're ensigns. They don't need names. We know they're going to (laughs) die. Don't give them the red shirts names. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> That's why I felt no need to like butcher their pronunciations here. I was like, oh yeah, the trooper in Scarface. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So Scarface dead, slink backwards. Thought I was some dummy. Didn't know that trick, the trooper Gee, says. What? <laughs> you brought back the hand revealing the knife. It glittered in reflected moonlight. Now for the cub, he said, and leaned towards Paul. No need for that, Jessica murmured. She murmured. She murmured. That's the crazy thing. She's like, no need for that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, there's no need for that. So so it's not about volume. It's It's yeah, content, you know? There's something in the frequency that she's doing in the words that are that that react to some like reptile brain back here. Right. It seems to be it's like the deaf guy seems to prove that it's about the content. It's about the words themselves and how she uses them. You know, this is crazy. Wouldn't you rather have me cooperative? Jessica asked. Give the boy a chance. Her lip curl in a sneer little enough chance he'd have out there and that sand give him that and she smiled you could find yourself well rewarded mm. trooper's in on it he's like oh hell yeah let's do that he glances <laughs> left right returned his jessica return his attention to jessica i've heard me what can happen to a man in this desert a boy might find a knife of kindness is it so much to ask? Jessica pleaded. Like, I'm amazed that she doesn't like just say it, like kill yourself. Like right. he, <laughs> like, I, I, could she do that? Like why? Like she's, cause this point the, the trooper's like, you're trying to trick me. I know you're trying to trick me. And then she's like, I don't want to see my son die. There's this, you're trying to trick me. Yeah. Same thing. And now she's, Tricky. She literally tricks him into thinking it's not a trick by saying, is that a trick? Right. You know, like, right. It's amazing. Is that a trick? And then the trooper's like, okay, well, if I just cut his bonds, what's he going to do? And Jessica's like, he'll leave immediately and head for those rocks. Is, it, is that what you'll do, cub? The trader, the, the trooper says, Paul's voice properly surly yes yes just yes the night now we get to see paul in action here we go the knife moved down slashed the bindings of his legs paul felt the hand on his back to hurl him down in onto the sand feigning a lurch against the door frame for purchase turned as though to catch himself lashed out with his right foot what the toe was aimed a quick as you, if those of you listening to that Evan is making weird sound effects, oh, he's just kicking. Like kicking, kicking the air. Yeah. Air, air kicks. <laughs> <laughs> just again, just keep doing the sound effects. I love it. I love it. All right, so, cool. Sounds good. The toe was aimed with precision that did credit to his long years of training as though all of that training focused on this instant. Almost every muscle of his body cooperated in the placement of it. The tip struck the soft part of the trooper's abdomen just below the sternum, slammed upward with a terrible force over the liver, through the diaphragm, to crush the right ventricle of the man's heart. With one gurgled scream, the guard jerked backwards across the seats. Paul, unable to use his hands, because his feet were cut, not his hands continued to tumble onto the sand landing with a roll that took up the force and brought him back to his feet in one motion right superhero landing superhero landing 100 percent. 
He dove back into the cabin, found the knife, held in his teeth while his mother sawed her bonds. She took the blade and freed his hands. And what did she say? After he delightfully kills the man after being pushed out. So he's like being pushed and like in that motion, like goes up and kicks him and kills him instantly. She says, I could have handled him. <laughs> He'd have cut my bindings. He would have cut my bindings. That was a foolish risk. Like she had lined him up. Like you go, I'll have, a, I'll have him un cut me, cut me loose and then I'll kill him. Right. He'll do anything I want. Why did you, why did you want, why'd you do that? She heard the harsh control in his voice when he says, I saw an opening and I used it. Bam. Bam. Yui's sign is scrawled on the ceiling of the cabin. That's what, that's what he says. That's what Paul says. He looked up and saw the curling symbol. Get out and let us study this craft, she says. There's a bundle under the pilot seat. I felt it when we got in. So we know Yui set this up for us. Right. Is it a bomb? I doubt it. But there's something peculiar here. Paul leaped out of the sand. Jessica followed. She turned, reached under the seat for the strange bundle, seeing the trooper's feet close to her face, feeling the dampness on the bundle as she removed it, realizing the dampness was the pilot's blood. Waste of moisture, she thought, knowing this was Arakeen thinking. Paul stared around them, saw the rock scarp lifting out of the desert like a beach rising from the sea, wind-carved palisades beyond. He turned back as his mother lifted the bundle from the thopter, saw her stare across the dunes towards the shield wall, eyes open. He looked to see what drew her attention, saw another thopter swooping towards him, realizing they had not have time to clear the bodies out of the thopter and escape. Run, Paul! Jessica shouted, It's Harkonnens! Bum, 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 bum. And thus ends chapter 11. Did Paul and Jessica escape? Will they be caught? Who is right behind them? <laughs> Find out next chapter. We do chapter 20. Actually, probably not. It's probably like chapter 21 or 22 at this point. I think we're going to go back and forth for a little bit. So we don't actually know what's going to happen. Right, 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 right. Man, so, what uh, chapter. Holy Christmas. We get to see the voice in action. Yeah. We, we get to see, well, the Baron and Piter are on the scene. They're on Arrakis. They're on Dune. Things are moving. And as we know, Paul and Jessica have kind of escaped. Oh, man. You know what really got me about this chapter? What It was the way Jessica acts while being a prisoner. Okay. Like, like I said uh, before, you know, like you think of the stereotypical, like person wakes up tied up or woman wakes up tied up and there's this panic, this weakness. She has like a split second of it. And then for the rest of the time, she's like tied up on the ground, but she's just like waiting, just taking in information and like so much, there's so much power in that. You know, like instead of being a damsel in distress, she's just like poised and calm and knows exactly what she needs to do. And even even like when she gets her chance, like when the gag gets removed, she still is like empowered in the situation. She finds a way for her to be in control, even though she's still like tied up and a prisoner and about to get raped and murdered, she like uses her sensuality to take control of the situation. So she, it's literally the opposite of being raped. <laughs> she is completely in power. Right. And because, that's, like, yeah. that's so cool to see just like a strong female character who is like in the worst possible situation or like a, at least a pretty bad situation. And yeah. She has, she actually has all the power and her sexuality is like an asset 
to her in this situation where she's like probably going to get raped, you know, like that's crazy cool. Like, I don't know. Yes. Bananas. Yes. And like, as soon as, like, as soon as she like gets the gag out, it's like, she doesn't automatically say like, go kill yourself. Like she doesn't panic at all. She almost like leans into the situation a little bit. Right. Gives her more power. Right. She's like, come on boys. (laughs) And they're like, Oh, Ooh, you know, and that like turns on the animal brain in these guys. And as soon as that happens, they're done. Yeah, don't fight over me. No woman is worth fighting over. Oh, 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 snap. Oh, snap. I got to do something. Dang. Yeah. And that, I guess either proves how or well, does prove how powerful uh, Jessica is and how stupid the Harkonnens are. So they knew don't 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 undo it. Right. Keep her gagged. It's all you need to do. But little the, they didn't gag Paul. That's what they should have done. Right. Because his he tried and he succeeded, right? He just removed the gag. He was like, Paul was more direct. Don't touch my mother. Remove the gag. Yeah. Not uh, like, are are we there yet? <laughs> Can you put us down now? <laughs> right. But he's a he's a kid, you know, so they're like, eh, it's fine. Hey, yeah, watch out. It's dangerous. Ah, it's he's 15. Who cares? He's 15. Little do they know who he will become. Oh, okay. Another thing okay. that I don't think we really talked about enough because it really got me was this quote. I'm gonna <laughs> dog ear, I'm gonna dog ear my book over here because it was it's good, huh? Good quote. I'm gonna read it again just for just for kicks. Please do. Uh, there should be a silent a, a science, excuse me, of discontent. People need hard times and oppression to develop psychic muscles. So that to me, that's like something I'm I'm figuring out in in life right now is like the difficult seasons of life, the difficult times in your life. Those things are actually like building character and building just mental fortitude for the rest of your life. That's, that's where all the growth happens, you know, and going through difficulty, going through oppression and pain and difficulty like that, that is what gives you the, the chutzpah to really get through. Like when life throws you another curveball, you're going to be like, been here before. Boom. And you just, Take care of it, you know. Right. When the fear becomes so overwhelming, it's like uh, we've survived this before. We we will survive again. Right. There's no reason to doubt that we will not survive. We right. just need to continue to move forward. Yeah. I love, I love how the muhadib says there should be a science of discontent, like measured, hypothesized, accounted for, mm. like. We need to see over and over again, is there a methodology that proves to make somebody hardened in yeah. to develop certain psychic muscles? Is is there like a, how do you test this right. theory? Can we, can we figure out what makes it happen? You know? And there's no better place to test a theory like this than on Dune. Arrakis. Right, the where the planet is literally trying to kill you for your right. water, right? Constantly, right? And it's that that quote that we did, we talked about. I'm going to bring that quote up that we talked about before the before we started yeah. recording because it's just good. Um, I heard it today. It's by a guy. Where'd it go? Oh no, where'd it go? And I just want to preface: Evan has never read the rest of Dune, so he has no idea what's going to happen. Right. So for those of you who have, this is just extra fun of, of us just. Sh- laughing at evan and the rest of us this is actually good cool well it's a guy named bruce filer i don't know if this now you got me all tripping like i'm saying something silly but it's a good quote no no no, no. it's a good quote um he's this guy he's talking about bruce filer's talking about just the desert and he says because the place is demanding it builds character because it's destructive it builds interdependence because it's isolating it builds community because it's the desert it builds nations yeah. Ah, uh, it's crazy. 
all my friendmen in the group just went nuts because they know exactly what's happening. Oh, it's the it creates the opposite of what it is inside the soul of the man. Like that's so heavy, dude. Like that's crazy. Yeah. And we in this this quote, I think, is really since okay. So Paul and Jessica are they're in the desert now. Like they are no longer in the city. This is besides leaving that one time on the field trip. This is the only time they have left the city and now there's no way to get back. Like this is it. They're in. And this is where Jessica has that. The first like Eric thought her first thought is, you know, ah, what a waste of moisture with the blood. Right. This is her first time of like, now I'm thinking like a citizen right. of Iraq. Now, now I have to think that way because like any wasted moisture is like death. Death. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, they're now beginning their Arakeen existence. If they, you know, survive and if the Harkonnens don't kill them and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. You know. Which I'm assuming since there's like a bunch of books that they're going to be okay for at least a little while longer. <laughs> Well, yeah, the Muhadib, he's, he's he still has to show up somewhere. So right. We have to still meet him. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you for reading Dune with us. We keep getting awesome emails and, and people reaching out on Twitter saying that they like reading Dune with us. And we like reading Dune with you. We cannot say thank you enough. Right. Um, in, the, in the comments, because we get to see the comments as they, as they roll in. Those are fun. That's great knowing somebody's out there listening. So, so hi is killing it. She's always she's always commenting. So, I'm, that's cool. She's also um, half Brazilian. So you have a fellow Yay! Brazilian. If you're listening in Brazil, this one is for you. This, exactly. <laughs> you have no idea what I just said. Don't None you. whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. Actually, yeah, Anna says here that Evan's description of Jessica is one of the many reasons why she is my favorite female character. As it should be. It's so right. freaking cool and empowering and awesome. Man. And, and Jessica, yeah, this this Paul, this story is just as much about Paul as it is Jessica. You cannot have, like, Jessica's actions from the very beginning have started this entire big domino journey. Right. With her deciding to um, not completely obey the B'nai Jesuit order that she was given for love. Love's a fickle thing, man. Well, you can find us on Twitter at Reading Dune or email us at readingdune.gmail.com. Thank you for, as always, Reading Dune with us. And please stay, for, stay spicy, my friends. Stay spicy.